My name is Chris Bett and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on Saturday at 3. On this episode, we'll be looking back on Rangers' 2-0 victory over Dundee United at Ibrox and react to some breaking news that Douglas Park has stepped down as Rangers' chairman. So joining me to do this is producer Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm all good, man. Yeah, uh, Rangers didn't ruin my weekend, so yeah, I feel pretty good. I'm more relieved than you, mate, because Rangers didn't ruin my birthday, so... But I mean, to be fair, Chris, that's not what you said in the group chat. <laughs> you managed to put in the group chat that, you know, despite everything, Rangers had still managed to ruin your weekend. I know it was a typo, but, you know, sometimes these things speak to something subconscious, you know. I'm not one for uh, embarrassing myself even more, but um, I have to be honest, it wasn't just the group chat. That was actually a very public tweet that I'd done that mistake in. So I it was... <laughs> Rather, rather embarrassing. It was just, as I said, it was just muscle memory. Um, <laughs> it just did ruin my weekend despite uh, Dundee United's best efforts to do so. Uh, I did have the fear because me and Dave spoke at length that there is no way Rangers should be beat, uh, be getting beat by Dundee United at home at, um, at Ibrox because they are so poor. One of the worst Dundee United teams I've ever seen. Because um, mm-hmm. it was my birthday. I fully expected some drop points, um, and thankfully that didn't uh, that didn't happen. So, look in terms of the game itself, there really, really isn't too much to talk about. Out with the lineups, the goals. There was a, a, an incident with Tav that I do want to talk about. Dundee United's approach, uh, our approach to their approach, um, and uh, we'll leave it at that. And then we'll move on to obviously the news about Douglas Park and and, and have a wee have a wee discussion about that. So. Listeners, if you're expecting an in-depth analysis in this game, uh, probably best to switch it off now because you're not going to get that. It was, uh, you know, I mean, in terms of points of action that occurred during this game, the two goals were probably the, the only real talking points. Dundee, it was a poor game. It was a poor game, and 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 that that isn't because Rangers didn't perform well. I think Rangers performed decent, decently, but it was. Uh, Dundee United were time wasting at 2 0 down, mate. You know, that that is mm-hmm. all because a 2 0 defeat is as good as grabbing a, a draw at Ibrox because of the goal difference, because of the situation they found themselves in. And that's the state Scottish football has found itself in. Um, Jim Goodwin gets a lot of stick from the Rangers fans, uh, I think for obvious reasons, but actually, uh, the person, the man, I actually uh, quite like him. I think he's quite a sound guy. He's one of the, uh, people forget that he's one of the few that actually stood up for Rangers fans, ironically, um, when we were celebrating 55, the day that we beat St Mirren, and there was a big, massive crowd at Ibrox, and obviously they went to George Square. Jim Goodwin came out and says they deserve it, they've waited a long time. People, I, I, I would... I would quite like that people actually remember that because of all the people who stick up for us, Jim Goodman wasn't high in the list of, of people that I expected that from. But um, as a manager, uh, Andrew, he's a fairly young manager and he he is his approach is it would get football stopped. And that is a worrying trend <laughs> that we've got these young managers coming through with this philosophy, with this ideology. Um, and it seems to be coming more and more... Um, common now in our game and it's 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 doing the the reputation of the game absolutely no fails at all yeah i mean i i watched this game with my old man and honestly it, it was depressing in terms of seeing where scottish football is and what happens dundee united have got all the rights in the world to want to be as defensive as possible for this game time wasting when they're you know two minutes into the game not not so great but that's the reality of the league you know, we, we see how effective Michael Beale's been since he's come in. 
but he's won almost all of his games and the point gap remains no different between us and Celtic because between the two of us, we expect to beat literally everyone else in the league and the old firm games are a toss up. Uh, and as you, and as you say, a um, you know a, a point or two gained from uh, from a draw here and there is all that these teams are expecting to get. And you know you, you only need to look across the the border to uh, to the English league where you know you'll have upsets happen all the time. It's not quite the, the you know level of dominance that we have over the league. You know in that in that situation teams can be expected to be a bit more open and a bit more aggressive because they might be able to get something. Here, the disparity between the teams is so great that almost no team turns up to Ibrox expecting to get anything out of it. And more importantly, they play as though they expect to get nothing out of it. They are there to defend until they go at least 3-0 down. And then maybe at that point, they might put an attack or two together because that way they'll be able to keep the scoreline respectable. Yeah, and, and, and it goes back to the point. I made uh, just there as well. Some teams actually see a 1-0, 2-0 defeat as a positive because it keeps their goal difference down when they're down the bottom of the table as well, which is just... It goes it, go, it goes back to your point, Andrew. They'll be within their rights to do that. It's just if I'm a Dundee United fan, and thank God I'm not, if I'm a Dundee United fan, I'm not very happy because I've seen Dundee United fan... Eh, I've seen Dundee United team, sorry, cut my eyebrows and cause us many problems over the years. Uh, they've always been a team that I've not feared, but I've always felt that's a that's a, a tricky, tricky fixture, whether it's at Tannadice or Ibrox. Um but this this Dundee United team in particular are so poor that um I could actually feel comfortable having a joke that we might drop points against them, which is not something I would do <laughs> um if I was being serious, uh, because I knew there was no chance that we'd drop points against them. It was all about getting getting the win, um, which we we obviously did get. But let's get into the game. The the lineup was obviously McGregor, Tavernier, um, Goldson, Davis, Barisic. So Barisic comes back in for Yilmaz. McGregor making his 500th appearance. We'll, we'll touch on that as well. Uh, one's from Jack, Cantwell, Tillman, Kent, Morelos. Uh, there's no Raskin on the bench. Uh, obviously, he's still injured, which is a worry. We will wait until Michael Beale comes out for his press conference before the next game against Celtic to find out more on that. Hopefully, he's fit, because obviously Lindstrom, who's no my cup of tea, uh, I'm sure we will talk about him as well. Um, just we'll, we'll come on to Lundstrom. Um, another uh, noticeable absentee at the moment is Alex Lowry. Uh, he is carrying a knock, but uh, he had some very, very unfortunate news um, that over the last couple of days, Andrew, with his mother's passed away. So yeah. uh, thoughts, thoughts with young Alex for that. And, and because of that, I wouldn't expect to see young Alex Lowry and then about the team between now and the end of the season. I would give him Essentially, I would give them the rest of the year off, the rest of the season off, let them regroup, let them obviously grieve, and then get a get a good pre-season into them, and hopefully then they'll be in a, a better frame of mind. Um, but it's, it's such sad news, isn't it? Because it, Alex Lowry, he's not a veteran, you know, he's not a 35, 36-year-old player. Andrew, he's, he's a young boy, 20-year-old. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the lineup, Andrew, um, pretty much as expected. Uh it's uh, I don't think we could have done anything else really. Uh, possibly keeping Yilmaz in the team, but I think Bonner's forms earned him that place. Lundstrom uh, being chosen to come in in the Raskin role ahead of Kamara and Arfield. Um, it's 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 a difficult one for me, Andrew, because that shows me that Lundstrom is Michael Beale's go-to man if Raskin isn't available, which probably means that Lundstrom starts next Saturday. Now we will obviously do a preview of the Celtic show, but talking about Lundstrom. 
on the back of his performance against Dundee United. If that is the case, then I'm a very, very worried man because he was absolutely uh, woeful um, on on Saturday. He's you can tell he's short of confidence, so that that's that's mitigating circumstances. Um, you can tell that he's taking one or two extra touches just to make sure because he knows that if he releases the ball on the first touch or the second touch it might go awry it might get the fans on his back and it might put him under more pressure but Andrew the two three four extra touches that he's taking is putting the fans on his back anyway because it just slows us right down it gives Don United a chance to regroup and um, he's almost becoming a detriment to the team at the moment in his current form and confidence level are you as frustrated with Armstrong as I am? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I was throwing stuff at the telly. Um, we we can see how we want to play, and the injection of people like Raskin and Cantwell show how the manager does want us to play. You're much more on the front foot. You're always pushing. You're always attacking. Even when we go back to the horseshoe and start rotating it round, we're still, you know, moving it quickly and trying to get aggressive. And every single time when we were trying to do that, especially in the first half, the ball would come to Lundstrom, and then the whole pace would just slow right down. As you said, one, two, three touches to steady himself and then, you know, turns around and passes it back to Goldson or Davis. So, I mean, we, we had points in the game where Davis and Goldson were further forward than John yeah. Lundstrom, which, which I mean, for, for a midfielder who's meant to, I mean, it's done the United. We do not need two sitting midfielders. So it's a job of one or probably both of them to be more aggressive and forward thinking. Jack may have, you know, some flaws to his game and, you know, his, his fitness is questionable. But the key thing is he's always available as a ball carrier because when he gets the ball, he quickly recycles it, gets it up the pitch and gets an attack moving in some capacity. Every time Lundstrom gets the ball, it gives Dundee United, who admittedly weren't exactly running miles up the pitch every time they got possession, but it gave them time to completely reset back into their 6-3-1 formation um, and, and prevent any kind of penetration. And that that's the biggest thing, because you need players in that engine room who can be dynamic and who can create those attacking runs, create those opportunities. And it really just was not happening um, for us because of how delayed he was on the ball. I, I totally get the confidence point. Um I think he is playing without confidence. You know, we we talked about him earlier in the season and we made excuses on the basis that, you know, we believed he was carrying a knock. He, I think he even came out in a press conference and said that he'd been playing through an injury, which is fair enough, right? But we're at the stage now where, as you say, the idea of him starting a game does cause worry because on his form this entire season so far, and even the latter half where he's meant to be fit, is not impressive and not what we need, as you say, especially going into a key game uh, this coming weekend. So it's a worry, but then you do look at the other options, and you, you mentioned Kamara and Arfield. Arfield, I love as a player. I don't ever want to see him starting games. He's always great off the bench, but he is not good starting for me. Kamara, if Lundstrom's down the pecking order, Kamara looks like he's completely out of it at this point. So, you know, we we have the options we have, unfortunately. I, I think, you know, we, we struggle to get... Uh, and then you're at the point where you're going, oh, we'll throw in one of the young boys instead. And that, that is not fair. That is not fair on no, those players at all. I would still, um, I would still at this point would rather Kamara or Arfield in there. Um, Kamara is in the same boat as as Lundstrom in terms of confidence low, um, but I feel as if Kamara has that 
outlier performance in him. We've seen him against, uh, was it Hearts or Hibs? It was one of the two. Uh, the, the Edinburgh club that we played just after we signed Raskin and Cantwell, where Kamara was sensational. Um, so he's got that outlier performance in him in terms of having a good performance when his confidence is low, whereas with Lundstrom, I just don't see it. And, and we do need an outlier performance from Lundstrom or Kamara or Arfield to play um, how he plays when he comes off the bench. But from a starting role, um, I, I would I would, I would, would just leave Lundstrom completely out of this game. Uh, and, and in actual fact, we, we will talk about the Celtic game in the next couple of days on the network. Uh I would actually go with, with Cantwell and Jack as the as two sitting midfielders against Celtic and play Sakala, Kent and Tillman as a front three. Um, just be obviously Morelos in front. I, w- I would be more inclined to do that than, than play Lundstrom because time and time again he's shown in this game he's not capable. Um, and if you're struggling against London United, uh, trust me, um, I, I don't like to big Celtic up, but if you're struggling against London United, you are going to struggle mightily against uh, Celtic at Parkhead. But, oh, it, it was it was a very poor performance, um, and yeah, it's it's he's one of the guys that I would identify as having to leave um, in the summer unless there's another um, kind of you know European running him. Um, however, he translates that to domestic form, um, which. Yeah. I, I just don't see. To the goals, Andrew, uh, as I said, there wasn't much to talk about out with the goals. First goal was absolutely sensational, uh, to be honest with you. Um, the, the, well, the goal itself was pretty pretty decent, but um, Todd Cantwell's assist was absolutely sensational. Um, the ball comes into him. It's speed. It's absolutely fired into him by Goldson. Cantwell pivots. It, it turns to direct the ball into the direction of like, Tillman. Um, when a ball is hit that hard at you, it is very, very difficult to control. So instead of trying to control the ball um, or even trap the ball, he literally just changes his body angle to feed the ball in to, to Malik Tillman, who slots home for 1-0. We were huffing and puffing at that stage, but I don't think we are in any danger. I don't think that the, the fans were getting on the players' back. We could see that it was just a matter of time, but it needed a wee bit of... Um, ingenuity and they certainly got that for Cantwell and then obviously uh, a very decent finish indeed by by Tillman. These two are now, they're, they're developing a relationship which excites me, really, really excites me. That, as I say, that assist is just a class, class assist from, from, from Cantwell on the finish and if these two develop a relationship on the field, that's a dangerous duel. I think it's the combination of those two as well as Raskin uh, coming in. Uh, we've seen how well Cantwell and Raskin play together. Uh, this is the first time I think we've seen an extended spell where Tillman and Cantwell have played together. And yeah, I mean, I love I love Cantwell already. Beautiful Todd. You know, yeah. you, you can't say anything bad against him because, you know, he's just too beautiful. Um, and the, the way that he plays and the way that he is so aggressive and doesn't show any fear as well. You know, for a relatively young player whose only prior experience of this is playing for fucking Norwich... Who I love, but it's fucking Norwich. Are um, it, it's re- it's really good to see, and it, it's exactly what we've been looking for in terms of that aggressive play. Malik Tillman, you know, a good American boy, so obviously I'm predisposed to like him as well. Uh, he was phenomenal this game. I mean, you know, if we're in a position where we rack up the scoreline a bit more, it, it doesn't show up. But given how wasteful we were with pretty much all of our other shooting opportunities, his effectiveness in front of goal was phenomenal um we had talked about Tillman I think earlier on 
and we'd sort of compared him to season one, Joe Rebo, where you could see those flashes of brilliance, but you would occasionally, you know, you'd have to put up with a lot of, you know, kind of poor play or trickery for trickery's sake. The difference that we've got with Tillman is that he looks like he's already past that point and he's getting to the stage where he is phenomenally effective for us. You know, the, the way that he helped knit the play together was outstanding. And, and this goal, you know, typified how well he's become involved in how we should be playing. That in itself is very exciting. But the fact that he, as you say, is developing these relationships with Campwell is really good because it only bodes well for the future. The, the the thing about Tillman is his output is incredible in terms of goals and assists, more goals and assists, obviously, but that 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 is something that's quite alien to us, uh, a midfielder <laughs> getting in double figures, um, and it's only the start of April. Uh, the the issue I had with Tillman, um, sort of mid season, in terms of the debate about whether to sign him was I hadn't seen him do it in the big games. A bit of big games, I mean the Champions League, so that's fair. I don't think you know we can be expected, expecting Tillman to have been the standout performer in six Champions League games, uh, especially when they were so poor. So I won't hold that against him, but the other big games become the Celtic games and he's, he's yet to have that standout performance. Um, so I was a wee bit hesitant on the five million for that. Where I'm at now is if Tillman, if we sign Tillman in the summer for five million and we have him for say two or three years and he never performs against Celtic yet, he does what he does against the others. I still think that's money well spent because these games obviously ultimately help to win leagues um, by beating the 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 riffraff of the league. Um, and if he's effective in those games, but he's never effective in the Celtic games, I can actually deal with that now because I can see what he brings. Now I hope he does change the narrative about not turning up in big games. He's got a big weekend ahead of him, you know. And if he turns up, then yeah, I don't think there'll be any Rangers fan that would be on the fence about this five million. I mean, I was not on the fence about the five million. I was completely off the fence saying I wouldn't do it. And then I did change my mind because his form improved and now I'm completely the other side of the fence, Andrew, where I will 100% do it. Um, even if, as I say, he never actually does perform against Celtic because of what he can bring in the other games. Um, and there's no way we can't make a profit. Even Rangers couldn't fuck this up. Rangers just cannot not make a profit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love I love your optimism there, Chris. I really do. <laughs> do, you, do you think that that is? Still, <laughs> do you think do you think that's still a thing? The Tillman doesn't show up. Well, I think it is a thing. I think it is a thing. We we yet to see it. I think that's that's fair to say. Do, but, do, you, do you think it? Do you think it matters as much now, knowing what we, what we know that he can do in the other games? Do you think? It's- I think the the best comparison is probably uh, you know a couple first seasons of Alfredo Morelos, who quite famously went a long time before doing any damage against Celtic. The difference was that he did show up in those uh, Europa League games, yeah. but we we got away with not having an effective striker against Celtic, or at least a you know a, that that player, you know that number nine not performing because we had goals in the rest of the team. So you can have you can be a really prolific striker and and not be particularly good against Celtic and still make a fantastic career for yourself. You know, Chris Boyd's right there. Yeah, he is. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I completely agree. I don't think it, it's a factor for me to worry about because the the thing that we keep coming back to is that, you know, we're nine points behind them, but there's only been two old firms so far. So there's more drop points that have occurred there. So it's not the games against them that we particularly 
well, we need to worry about them to the regular degree. But the point is, we need to be as ruthless as possible in the rest of the league. You know, two nil wins against Dundee United are fine with where we are right now, because I think even Michael Beale concedes that we are going to need in the regional like five players in at least this upcoming transfer window. There's going to be turnover and you, you would think that some of the old faces will get moved out. But the point is you want to be bringing in players who are going to contribute to blowing away the rest of the the rest of the league. You you don't need to be concerned about the Celtic games. They will take care of themselves. And they, they are effectively a different type of game completely from what we'll be facing in the rest of the league. As much as Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen even want to big themselves up and pretend they're, they're equal to us, fundamentally it's a different ball game entirely when it's one of the old firm. So I, I'm I, I'm right there with you. I would absolutely be paying the five million. I've been excited about Tillman pretty much since he came in, not only because he's an American, but also because of his reputation. I don't think you end up uh, coming out of Bayern Munich without having something about you. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I would 100% be paying the money because unless Ross Wilson does what Ross Wilson normally does, I think, yeah, it, it's easy money for us. You know, we absolutely stand to make a profit on him. No, no doubt. Yeah. The next talking point uh, before we come to the second goal was um, the, the Dundee United player, Beach, um, almost aptly named, almost, uh, had the ball in the corner, and ta- uh, in the Dundee United corner, and Tav put some pressure on him trying to get the ball. Um, Tav actually gets there in front of him and holds him off, looking to cross it in. And by doing so, he's putting his hand up for some leverage. Now, when I say he's putting his hand up, he's not done it in a striking motion. He's literally put his hand up um, just to just to hold him off, as I'm saying. Uh, the hand, uh, Andrew, does sort of go up to the general direction of his face. Uh, and if he touches him, it's literally the, the, the most velvet touch <laughs> that you can have. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's not even a brush. It's a... It's, it's, it's a fingertip uh, <laughs> and Biatch uh, goes down holding his face with both hands rolling about screaming and Tav gets booked now the issue I have with that is if that happened with the referee's positioning uh, the referee's seen it he's not in a great position to see no. hear the reaction so he's been conned okay that happens we see it um, in the EPL last night with Harry Kane uh, Harry Kane just—it was almost identical, really. Uh, but there was mm-hmm. a more force on the Everton player. But um, you get con, that's that's fine. Um, if it was a red card, it went—it would have went to VAR. It would have easily been overturned. So I don't have an issue with the referee either. The issue I have is that happened literally right in front of the linesman. Um, replays have shown that it's it's a dive. It's cheating. It's, it's, I'm not being derogatory, I'm stating a fact. Uh, as I said, if Tav did touch him, it's it's literally the deftest of fingertips. Um, there is no forceful contact at all. It is simply not a booking. I would even go as far as saying it's not even a free kick. Um, as I say, the referee's position is no great. I can see why the referee gave it, because he's, he's reacting to the reaction. However, it happened right in front of a linesman. Um, there was... But remember Todd Cantwell, obviously, against Motherwell, where, yeah, I, I admitted on this podcast there maybe was a wee bit of the theatrics here. Um, not to the extent that Ricky Foster comes out and says he looks as if he's just been done in by Tyson Fury. 
And yet the narrative this weekend was not anything to do with this blatant dive, this blatant bit of cheating. Um, uh, it was actually not discussed at all. Um, and as I say, it happened in front of a linesman who I get why the referee could be conned, but how can that linesman be conned? I just do not get it. And I'm a surprise that sports scene didn't want to do a trial by sports scene here. No, I'm not, because it wasn't a Rangers player that done this and it's quite quickly brushed under the carpet. And the thing is, Tav actually had to be substituted in this game because he was on a yellow card. Now, I remember at one point after he got booked, he went in for a kind of 50-50 and pulled out a wee bit. If Tav went in for that 50-50 and got a second bookable offence, that that red card doesn't get rescinded. You don't, you don't, you can't appeal yellow cards um, unless it's mistaken identity. So that could have cost us very, very dearly for a very, very important match. Poor officiating um, by the by the linesman. Poor not uh, punditry by the the Scottish pundits. Um, poor journalism by the Scottish journalists. Um, and again, I'm not being paranoid. I'm state of fact. It's because it happened against Rangers. It's fair game. I think you've got to look at the the whole refereeing setup that we have, which week by week finds new ways to prove that it's not fit for purpose at all. Fundamentally, you shouldn't be relying on sports scene to pick up, you know, questionable incidents. They should be getting picked up by professional referees. Um, And that includes a linesman, that includes a fourth official, that even includes the guys in the VAR tent. All these guys are doing this as a hobby. And they're well paid for it to be a hobby, but it is still a hobby. I, I, I've worked a full day's work today. Now, you know, my old man would tell me what I do isn't really work. It's telling people to turn things off and on again. <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, I still worked a full day. If I then had to go up to fucking Ibrooks and run around for two hours and get yelled at by 50,000 people, I, I'd probably not be particularly effective at that either. You know, you, you see the difference in officiating down in England where these guys are paid. They spend the week practicing, going over what went wrong, what went right, how they can improve, all this stuff. The the Scottish officials do none of that. They rock up after they've done their day's work and go, right, well, you know, I've kept myself in shape. I can run about a bit. I think I've got a vague glimpse of the rules, so we'll be fine, you know? It's it, it's poor to see. I, I completely agree, you know, these kind of things do not get highlighted nearly as much if they happen to Rangers as opposed uh, to against us. And... The Cantwell one was the exactly the one that I was going to bring up because Cantwell's one is a yellow card because he's right up close to the boy, he knows where he is, and the guy throws an elbow back at him. This is, you know, something that happens to you every other day if you're on the fucking tube, you know? Like, I have I, I got assaulted worse getting home this evening than I did, <laughs> than, <laughs> than, than this biatch did uh, playing against Tav. So... It's it's shocking. It really is. I mean, but again, part of this is the teams are where they are. They are looking to gain any advantage that they can. It, it's in their interest to try and get our players booked for something. It's why it's this remarkable thing about any team that's playing against us, that they appear to be the hardiest, most robust lads in the universe when they've got the ball. Um, if we get the ball away from them, suddenly, you know, you can breathe them the wrong way and they'll go down and, you know, have a broken leg. So... It's a situation we find ourselves in. Fundamentally, parts of the Scottish game encourage this kind of behaviour. So it, it's a shit situation, but it's where we find ourselves, unfortunately. Very, very poor. Um, just, it was quite ridiculous, really. Um, and it's, yeah, 
you summed it up perfectly for me. Uh, the game was then wrapped up a couple of minutes later. Tillman again, another neat finish. Ball comes in from Ryan Kent. It's 2-0. Um, game's done. Uh, the game sort of peters out. Andrew, there's no really any more chances. There's a raft of substitutions, as there always is at this uh, stage. There's a wee change in formation. Rangers go free at the back. Um, Scott Wright comes on as a wing-back. I actually thought he was quite impressive for the kind of cameo that he came on. Um, carried the ball and took Dundee United players on. So there might be something in that for him. Uh Maybe. And uh, yeah, there, there was no danger. There was no danger at all. Um, Andrew, have you got any comments about the second goal before I move on to the next point? Because it was, it was a good goal. It was game over. It was job done. Three points. Um, Chris had a good birthday. <laughs> and yes, very happy birthday to you for that. And I'm glad your weekend wasn't ruined. But yeah, I mean, I completely agree, by the way, about Scott Wright. I, I think he is a useful squad player for us to have. Again, Similar to Arfield, I'd never be starting him in a game, but I think he is a really useful player to have to come on and see a game out. Um, be interesting to see how he does do if the uh, the wingback kind of position is something we're looking at. I think when we saw Suter come on later on in the game, you did see that shift where we were playing three centre-backs um, at the rear, but then we had a fairly attacking rest of the team. You know, the, the two players who were playing as the wingbacks of the five were... Ken and Scott Wright at that point. So it was quite forward thinking. It was quite attacking, despite the fact that you have that additional centre-back there. Um, and Suter, for all his injury history, did look pretty effective. He's looked quietly effective when he's come on. I think he's a good ball carrier, and I think he does play quite well. I think the only disadvantage that he's got is uh, if we stick with four at the back, his, you know, player that he'd be replacing is Connor Goldson, who, apart from the injury that he got this season, has looked like an Iron Man and never <laughs> dropped out for a game ever. So three at the back might be an interesting way to get him more involved. Um, certainly, I think he's more effective at uh, moving the ball around than John Lundstrom. So, yeah. Um, I, and I think that the problem that we had was obviously we got that second goal and you think, right, maybe Dundee United will open up a little bit more and be a bit more aggressive. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. They, they kept to their horrible, murderable formation. And uh, yeah, as you say, game kind of petered out after that. Oh, well, as I said, Andrew, at the start of the show, they were still continuing to time waste at 2-0 down, which was just baffling me. I don't think I've ever seen that. And uh, yeah, if that's what they want to do, and, you know, effectively what they're doing there is uh, admitting defeat and Rangers are getting the three points, then that's fine. Yeah, there, there is a discussion probably to be had that Rangers need to be more ruthless, Rangers need to score more goals, Rangers should be looking to score more goals. Yeah, I get all that, but I'm kind of... Look, we've got enough to worry about right now. Let's just get the wins. Uh, when we're top of the league... Uh, that 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 will come in the future, hopefully. That's the kind of stuff I want to be worrying about, right? I want to kill teams off more quickly. I want to score more goals. But when we're chasing, I'm not too bothered about that at the moment. It's it's something. It's a longer term um, goal for me because the three points is. I say that when Michael Beale came in, I just I just want to win. I just want to win at mm-hmm. the moment. I just want to rack up as many wins as we can. And to be fair to Beale, that's exactly what he's done. Um, yeah. And everything else, hopefully, will fall into place. The man of the match was announced uh, towards the end, Andrew, and it went to Alan McGregor, who had an absolutely 
outstanding game actually. I think it was probably his best performances in a Rangers jersey I've ever seen. He was catching everything, he was saving everything, his distribution was absolutely fantastic. Um, and you can see why he is a Rangers legend. 500 appearances. Uh, obviously, when I said that was tongue in cheek, but um, 500 appearances, that's no tongue in cheek, that's a fact. That's an incredible, incredible statistic. Um, it's been said quite often. Uh, by me and Dave, if no one else, but as as quite all, uh, all over Twitter at the moment, probably been robbed of another two three hundred appearances because of what happened mm-hmm. in twelve. Um, but five hundred appearances, he's thirty five appearances away from being the all time record appearance holder, uh, goalkeeper for Rangers. Now I hope he doesn't get that, Andrew. Right? Um, <laughs> I think it's best for him to step back after this. There, there is yeah. there's mutterings that he's going to stay on. Um, again, that's a discussion maybe for another day. The discussion now is celebrating Alan McGregor and what he's given the Rangers now. I, when I first started watching football, the first uh, goalkeeper I do remember is um, he, uh, Andy Gorham wearing his leggings with a perm. So that's no peak Andy Gorham, that's uh, over the hill Andy Gorham. Um, so my first proper Rangers goalkeeper was Lionel Charbonnier, uh, then went to Stefan Kloss, uh, then Ronald Vatterus. Um, and then Alan McGregor. So that that's that's my era. You know, that's my Rangers goalkeepers, if you will. Um, and for me, there's no one better than Alan McGregor. And I do include Andy Gorham in that. However, a more um, vintage gentleman or, or or lady might disagree because they experienced peak Andy Gorham. Um, obviously, Andrew, I think me and you're sort of similar age, so you're probably in the same boat as me, maybe. Uh, not to put words in your mouth, but regardless of who's the best, it's a debate that will rage on for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's still an outstanding achievement to get 500 appearances and Alan McGregor has been an absolutely fantastic goalkeeper for Rangers and he thoroughly deserves his testimonial this summer. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the, the point about 2012 and him being robbed of those additional appearances, I think is absolutely right. Uh, McGregor's demonstrated in the past how committed he is to Rangers. I think sometimes to his own detriment, um, he he he's always going to want to be playing for us, and he commits to playing for us wholeheartedly as well. Um, he, I, you know, I completely agree with you. He is he's my goalkeeper as well because he's the era when I properly started watching football, and yeah, uh, absolute legend of the club, and you know, highly deserved. Probably a little bit dodgy in terms of the man of the match. I think maybe you could have gone for the guy who scored two goals, but I completely understand why why he got it. Um, I dread to think what happens if I ask my old man who his favourite goalkeeper was. You know, it's probably Peter McCloy for fuck's sake. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of consistency and over the periods, there, there's no one who touches Alan McGregor. You know, Gorham in his time, had phenomenal seasons for Rangers, but he never had that same longevity. He never had that extended period of just always being a brick wall for us. And Alan McGregor has absolutely had that. And not only that, he had it over two periods of time with us as well, where he was unstoppable. You know, there used to be the the Celtic meme that floated around, which was, you know, Andy Gorham broke my heart. And McGregor certainly did that as well to them. So... You know, he's always been a key part of any Rangers team that I've watched. And I I completely agree. It's the right time for him to be stepping down. I really hope he does actually do it this season. But 
phenomenal servant to the club. Fantastic guy. And uh, yeah, someone who truly lives, breathes and gets Rangers 100%. I think if you look at it both ways, Andrew, you look at uh, Gorham against McGregor, you look at ability. I think Andy Gorham had far more ability than Alan McGregor. And that's no downplaying McGregor's ability because McGregor had a lot of ability in abundance. But Gorham could get away with being unprofessional. And Gorham was unprofessional. I think if Gorham had the professionalism of Alan McGregor, the longevity would have been there for him as well. But Gorham could afford to get pushed at, uh, on a Friday night and rock up on a Saturday and have a world-class game. Um, that's just who he was. And as I say, he could get away with that. Whereas McGregor couldn't. McGregor couldn't be unprofessional. McGregor had to squeeze the, the toothpaste tube and get every single ounce of ability out through his professionalism. And that's the difference between the two. One's more professional, but one has more ability. So it's always going to be what you prefer and your goalkeeper. Um, McGregor could do things Gorham couldn't do. Gorham could do things that McGregor couldn't do. What do you prefer? It's not a case of I prefer McGregor because I hate Gorham or I prefer Gorham because I hate McGregor. We love both, both from our legends. And it's really up to the preference of the individual who's having the debate who they prefer. And Alan McGregor has said himself when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he, he would love people to discuss this in the pub, but don't follow about it. And I think that, that I think that's the way it should go. We should look at the pros and cons of both, weigh up trophies, individual moments, um, it saves that won his matches, saves that got his trophies, saves that you know got us to a European final in, in McGregor's case. But there is no right or wrong answer. It's completely up to what that person feels. But one thing is for sure, you know, we've been very, very blessed in the goalkeeping department and there's a big decision to be made in the summer. And I just hope that that, I don't know if it's luck or skill or just a Rangers thing, I hope it continues that we have yet another fantastic goalkeeper who comes in and replaces McGregor because the lineage is, it's just incredible. As I've said, Woods, Gorham, Kloss, McGregor. So let's hope that the, the one slotting in after McGregor can be half as good as McGregor because we'll be getting a decent decent one there anyway. Um, so that kind of rounds up the, the, the game itself, all the happenings within it. Um, and Rangers, you know, everything went quiet for a couple of days, Andrew. And then obviously we're recording on the Tuesday and then on the Tuesday a bombshell was dropped. You could actually say maybe possibly a bombshell was dropped on the Monday because um, more shares were issued so that more money went into the club. Um, people were asking why. Look, I've seen possibly between seven to ten different opinions on this from Rangers fans on social media. The truth will be in there somewhere. It might take three, four opinions together to get the truth. Um I don't know I don't know why the shares have been issued. I don't get why the shares have been issued. John Bennett said at the AGM that he gave the club uh, I think it was about ten million quid which we'll, we will be using as an overdraft to see us through when they anticipate some cash flow problems between now and season tickets because obviously there's no regular income coming in and then a big tranche of income then does come in from the season tickets so we need to get to that period of the season tickets and we're going to use the ten million for that but now it looks like one point five million is now being invested because that overdraft facility has been maximised um, so that that is a worry. It's not something I'm comfortable discussing because I don't actually understand it. I'm just sort of telling the facts here without giving my interpretation of it. And then obviously today, the out of nowhere, Andrew, there was a, there was an announcement or a club statement. Um, I'll just read that. Douglas Park, who's been chairman of Rangers International Football Club, PLC, for three years, has decided to step down from his role. 
The RIFC board unanimously agreed to install the current vice chairman, John Bennett, as the club's new chairman. Douglas became chairman of Rangers at the end of March 2020, assuming the role in the most challenging of circumstances, obviously talking about COVID there. Um, goes on to talk about Rangers getting 55, getting to a European final, winning the first Scottish Cup for a decade. Douglas also led significant investment in infrastructure at both Ibrox and Ock and Howie. Douglas Park said, it's been a great honour to serve the club as a director and chairman. During my eight years in office, we endured extraordinary pressures. I am glad we have stabilised and strengthened the club and it is now time for me to hand over the baton to a new chairman for the next stage in the club's development. I look forward to continuing to attend matches, supporting the team, and I wish John and all at Rangers Football Club the very best. John Bennett then went on to say, on behalf of all my colleagues and indeed the entire Rangers family, I want to sincerely thank Douglas for his eight years of service. Over the last three years, he led the club during exceptionally challenging times. It's a source of great comfort that Douglas, although no longer a board member, will be by our side to support us in our relentless pursuit of success. Um, a wee bit of uh, John Bennettism there in that with the relentless pursuit of success. John Bennett, obviously, of course, the bar rises uh, best in class. That's his sort of um, narrative there. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a criticism. It just what what I'm getting at there is Andrew Bennett can rabble rouse. Douglas Park couldn't. So we've got a figurehead that we can maybe relate to. Uh, Douglas Park was a very anonymous figurehead. Perhaps, and that was by design. You could tell he didn't. He was very uncomfortable in the the, the limelight. He didn't like it. He didn't enjoy it. Um, so that's a positive. But if we look at the work Douglas Park done as chairman behind the scenes, not in front of the camera, investing significant amounts of his own money, uh, I will go on to say wasted a lot of his money as well, um, purely because of the people he employed to look after his money, i.e. Robertson and Wilson. I think they wasted a lot of his money. Uh, Park himself wasted a lot of his money. Pedro Kixinha, um, he that was his idea all, all over the back. And then you've got all these sort of kind of legal costs and stuff. And then obviously the over budget Edmondson House. But on the whole, Andrew, obviously um, Douglas Park was very, very good for Rangers Football Club. And he looked after us and he invested significant amounts. Um, it came as a shock. Uh, if this was going to happen, I would have expected it to happen at the end of the season or maybe the start of a new season. Um, I don't know if it's connected with the share issue. I don't know how it could be connected to the share issue. I'm, I'm just stating two things that happened over the last couple of days. Uh, at the AGM, Douglas Park spoke about future plans that he would have been involved in. Um, the disabled the disability facility has been improved. He was at the forefront of that. He was asked a question what his plan is for the next couple of years. He gave a, quite a very Douglas Park answer. Uh, obviously, his plan is just to win as many trophies as he possibly can. Again, that's just the man. He's he's, he's not a great public speaker. No criticism of him, but um, to say stuff like that, you would pretty much assume that he's going to be there for the next couple of years. But, Andrew, it looks like he stepped down away from the board going to back the team as a fan it looks like it's been a complete withdrawal of financial commitments his son remains on the board so what will happen there remains to be seen has this um not not shocked you but has this surprised you the timing the decision the, the how quick it was bennett how do you feel about him coming in as a chairman and are you worried about what possibly could be uh, a very difficult uh 
12 to 18 months of Rangers financially because it does, I mean, I don't want to scare anybody, but there is a lot of worrying signs here. A a big benefactor has just stepped down. There is shares being issued. There doesn't seem to be an endless pot of cash. However, Michael Beale, rather contradictory, did state after the game against London United that he's got quite a healthy budget for the summer. So is that budget going to be financed by Rangers the club or is it going to be sugar daddy model where the money comes in via shares in order to spend out with our means uh andrew how do you sum up the whole situation um it's 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 a difficult one there are about three different questions in there chris so i'll try and go through them um just try and answer them just do some up in your own (laughs) (laughs) you just ramble on for a bit there andrew you do your own thing um no i mean like okay so in terms of Douglas Park stepping down, I agree in terms of the timing. I think that is a bit unusual. This is the kind of thing you expect to happen during the close season. Um, you know, but ultimately, these are still human beings. Uh, Douglas Park, 72. He may not want to be committing to being the chairman of Rangers Football Club full time. He may well want to enjoy effectively retirement. Um and, uh, you know, as he says, just attend the games as a fan. Although I hope he's prepared to get into the queue for the season tickets because I understand there's a, there's a fair waiting list there as well. So, um, you know, I, I think it's unquestionable how influential he has been, you know, for all the criticisms that we've had at his regime in terms of the people he's appointed. He's still, since 2012, he's still been the most successful uh, chairman for Rangers in terms of trophies won, in terms of squad building. Um, it's not exactly a great record to compare himself against, but those are the facts. And I think the investment that has been done in terms of the infrastructure in the club, you know, we, we can question the merits of Edmonton House and how profitable that may be over the, uh, over the course of the piece and how quickly it will take for us to uh, recoup our investment there. But the point is, it's still an investment in infrastructure that we were never, ever going to see under some of the previous custodians of this club. So I, I think he's, he's been a positive. I do not think him stepping away is, you know, something to be massively concerned about. As you say, he's still going to keep his fingers in there to a degree. His son's still involved in the day-to-day. And, you know, I suspect any investment that he does want to make, he will still be able to make. Um John Bennett coming in, I think, is a good thing because, as you say, he is more of a communicator. He is someone who's more comfortable being part of that limelight and and talking with the fans. We may not always agree with what he's going to say, and he may sometimes say things that retroactively seem a bit foolish, but any communication is good because just radio silence from the boards doesn't work as a strategy. As we've said in previous times before, if there's a vacuum... Other people will come in to fill it, whether it's, you know, us spouting off our own malarkey or if uh, it's uh, guys at the Daily Record wanting to fill column inches, someone will come in to fill that space. So if he wants to volunteer himself, he wants to put himself forward as a spokesman more for the club, which I think ultimately as chairman, that's just part of the gig. You should be doing that. Then, Then that's good news for us. In terms of the share issue, the money and the finances of the club, Ultimately, we're in a position as a club where we will be financed by external investment until we start getting the player trading model working properly. And unfortunately, with how the squad of players has been mismanaged and how we've not allowed turnover to take place, we're at a stage where 
Certainly, I think for next season, unless someone decides to come in and bid stupid money for Glenn Kamara, we're, we're going to be relying on external investment, external cash infusions for at least the next two transfer windows. I'm not massively concerned about that because this board and the, the members of it, that indeed the, the investors, have all demonstrated in the past that their personal interest is not in making a profit for themselves. They're not interested in making a quick buck because, frankly, if they were, Rangers as a football club would not be in the position that they are right now. Um, if anything, they've been too keen to put money into the club and, as you say, occasionally squandering it or doing it in the wrong ways. So I don't have any fears about that. Um, I'm not panicked by it. I think we as a football club are in a much better financial position than we have been for a long time. Uh, certainly the Champions League money, uh, diminishes it might be, does still help with that. So I think we're all good from a financial perspective, but I think inevitably where we are in terms of the prize money that we either get out of Scottish football, which is bugger all, um, you know, that that's the position we find ourselves in. To want to compete in European football, we are going to necessarily, and frankly, to compete with Celtic as well, we are going to be in that position where we have to rely on that external funding. I'm not worried about that because this board have shown time and again that they will commit to that. I just, you know, wish they hired better people to to run the thing for them. So, yeah, I I, I think it's sad to see him go uh, because he has been he has been effective for the club. He has been good for the club. Uh, I'm not going to say he's had a spotless perfect record, but we would be in a worse position if he had not been the chairman than you know than him being so. So, yeah, it, and it, it 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 feels like the end of an era. Um, the hope is obviously that each custodian of the club can pass it on to more success. We don't want to see a David Murray where, you know, him stepping down as a custodian handed it over to a complete charlatan. And the good thing is John Bennett's been in position. And in terms of his own personal approach and ambitions, uh, I think the club's in, in safe hands going forward with him. It may surprise you, Andrew, but I actually agree with pretty much all of that. Uh, <laughs> you probably get that wrong then. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, first part was was good for Rangers. Uh, the the ire of the Rangers fans was never really in the direction of Douglas Partner. I think there's been a bit of a breakdown in communication in that respect because I have seen some quite disrespectful things said about Douglas Park today on the back of his resignation, especially in the Twitter thread. Um, and I think the 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 fans who just see that there's protests going on and there's some discontent, they hold everyone accountable without looking at the facts. Whereas the Rangers fans who, and by the way, I'm not having a go at any Rangers fan. I'm, I'm just sort of saying the Rangers fans who are more involved in the protests, who are more possibly irate with it, who might have a side to pick or a bone to pick, they, they're more obviously in the direction of Robertson and Wilson. Whereas some Rangers fans sort of generalise it that it's everybody in a suit, which which is never the case. Um, I, I I have been frustrated with Douglas Park at times uh, because, as you said, Andrea, some some things he's done has not been great. Um, some things he's done, is quite frankly, has been a little embarrassing. But on the whole, it's his money. He's put his money where his mouth is. If he's wasted his money, which he has, uh, that's on him. Uh, that's pretty much one of the basis of my arguments for Wilson and Robertson to leave. This guy's putting a lot of money in and you're hiring two under, well, incompetent, incompetent individuals to handle that money and you're not getting best value for buck. But if there is no Douglas Park, where are we at the moment? 
I don't say I would suggest we'll not get fifty five. I would suggest we didn't have Seville. I would suggest we don't have that Scottish Cup. Now those three things were great memories, obviously, and the frustration at the current moment is we should have had more in that time. Yes, we should have, but imagine we had nothing. Imagine we didn't even have those three things. I think that's the reality about Douglas Park. So now you won't have you won't hear me overly criticise Douglas Park as an investor. You might have heard me criticise his approach as a chairman, uh, but he certainly has put his money where his mouth is. And we have a different type of chairman now, one of which is more suited to Rangers Football Club. I think someone who will meet these challenges head on rather than staying in the back. Bennett, for me, uh, is this a criticism? I don't know. He loves he, he, he loves the media a wee bit. So that'll be interesting. As you say, Andrew, he will come up with some really good points, really good quotes. He will also come up with some utter bullshit, which he's already done. So we're just going to have to take the good with the bad with Bennett. But ultimately, his heart's in the right place. So I'm pretty calm on that front. The first thing Bennett should be doing to get the fans completely on side is identifying a new managing director, a new director of football, removing the two charlatans, getting two actual competent individuals in there and then running Rangers Football Club the way we expect it to be run. And do you know something, Andrew? I think that's I think today is the first part of that plan for the process to fully um come to fruition. I I genuinely think that Douglas Park stepping down today shows that there's a change. There's a change coming. Well, obviously there is a change with Bennett anyway, but Bennett couldn't have forced certain things through his deputy chairman that he now can as chairman. And I fully expect one of, or if not both, Wilson and Robertson to be removed from their roles come the end of the season. I just I just feel that that's, that's, that's going to happen. Do, do you think that that's, well, obviously potentially it could happen, but do you feel as if that is what will happen? Or is it just a case of let's just see what his plan is? Because Bennett will come out and talk to us and tell us what his plan is. <laughs> that that's the big point right there. We'll, we'll not. I mean, we'll definitely hear from him one way or the other. I think I, I don't know is the honest answer in terms of uh, Robertson or Wilson going. Justin Andrew. <laughs> but you know that's that's going to be me. I'm going to stand the fence. Maybe it's comfy up here. Uh, I think the the point is that. Both of these guys have been in their position for a long time. And I think if you're in any job for a long time, you can get stale, you can get complacent, and you can, you know, start start trying to get more defensive when people question how effective you're being in the role. Because in your view, I have been here for ages. I know everything. I'm the fucking master of the universe. So uh, would I, I'd like to see change, obviously. You can go back and listen to our podcast that we did uh, a week or so ago about how pretty much everyone on this pod feels that these guys are doing in terms of their job performance. But spoilers, it wasn't complimentary. But I think it, it's it's difficult to say. It depends how, how bold he wants to be. And we've spoken in the past about, you know, having the courage of convictions and, and wanting to be brave in that. I think if some of Bennett's rhetoric matches up with what he actually does, we will be in a good place. But it, it, it remains to be seen. He's he's been in the job for what not not even twelve hours as we record this. So let's give him some time to get his feet under the table and see how we're going. You know, I think it's quite ridiculous that Robertson and Wilson remain in their jobs after the twelve hours of Bennett's stewardship. So he needs to get his finger out, Andrew. 
Um, obviously, again, tongue-in-cheek, but Mr Bennett, that's, as you know, that's the narrative that you need to put away being Rangers chairman, and he certainly is uh, bullish enough to deal with it, I think, um, and, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I do expect some news to come out over the next couple of weeks um, as to how this how this happened, because for me it's a wee bit, it's happened too quickly, I don't think it was a plan. Uh, Obviously, going back to the AGM and Douglas Park talking about the next couple of years and stuff. So something, I'm not trying to put a negative spin on anything. I just think something has happened. There's been a disagreement. It's, or, or, or maybe Douglas Park just went, fuck us, I've had enough. Um, as you said, Andrew, I'm 72, man. I'm just going to just watch the football and sit back and, and, and count my money and spend time with, you know, yeah, wife or kids or grandkids or whatever. I don't know your situation, but you know that could that could very well be his plan. So, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, it should be interesting to keep an eye on that. Um, one thing about a business today. Um, the referee for the Old Firm game this Saturday has been appointed. It's Kevin Clancy. Uh, now, I can hear the gasps. Obviously, terrible referee. Uh, would almost go as far as saying he's not even incompetent. Uh, he's a cheat. Uh, I know that's pretty strong language. But um, that's just my opinion. Uh, this guy cannot referee uh, referee Rangers to a standard, um, which is fair in my opinion. Um, and then you put him into the 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 you know the simmering heat of an old fun game. He's even more out his depth, um, and that's been shown. Look at any highlight. Um, compilation, yeah, compilation of Kevin Clancy and an old fun game, and you will see disaster after disaster, um, inconsistency after inconsistency, and incompetence after incompetence. Um, so it's not exactly uh, a, a, a great positive appointment. However, Andrew, before coming on, uh, I did have a wee discussion with you. Um, there, there has been a fact uh, kicking about social media today after the appointment of Kevin Clancy. I'm going to get this checked. I probably should have got it checked before the podcast, but I was a wee bit rushed. So we will be doing a preview of the, the, the Celtic game. But there is a rumour, um, not a rumour, a, a, you know, a post on social media, which states that Kevin Clancy has refereed three old firm games and each of the three old firm games, Rangers have been victorious. So Rangers have a 100% record when Kevin Clancy has been uh, a referee in these games. Now, I, I, I can't, I, the only game I can think of, Andrew, is the one at Parkhead uh, where we won 2 1, where Cattage gave away a penalty and uh, they then scored uh, the winner and Morelos gets sent off in the last minute and there was three minutes injury time, but Kevin, can, Kevin Clancy played six, obviously waiting for his team to score. Um, that's literally the only game. Game, I can remember Kevin Clancy being the Ranger, uh, being the referee in a Rangers Celtic game. So even if that's the case, that is 100%. Um, listeners, if you've got this uh, statistic at hand, get in touch with us. Obviously, I, I will check it anyway. Um, or maybe Andrew, I'll, 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 uh, I'll direct you and <laughs> to check it for me because you you seem to have more sources than me in terms of this stuff. Like I ask you a question, you just come up with like this fucking. You give me a link to like the transfer market of how many touches Ryan, uh, Ryan Jacks had his left foot over the season. Um, but as I struggle to find those things, so I might actually have to involve you, Andrew, but I will check it out. But um, it, it doesn't fill me with confidence, despite this this uh, post going around that Rangers have 100% record with Kevin Clancy in charge, because, as I say, Andrew, he, he's, he's just not He's, he's just not a good referee. He's, he's actually really, really, really bad. Probably one of the worst top-flight referees we've had ever. Uh, well, you can rest assured that I'll be making you do your own research for the preview pod, man. But um, no, I mean, we, we've talked about this previously, but the problem that we have with referees is not that they are biased or corrupt. Um, I don't think any of them are 
quite frankly, competent enough to be that. Um, we have a problem that we have amateur referees for what's ostensibly a professional game up here. Uh, if you want good refereeing standards, you need to have professional referees, guys who are doing it as part of their job as opposed to as a hobby. So, yeah, it, it's. I think you know, no matter what we got in terms of the refereeing decision, it was always going to be some controversy stirred up around it because it's an old firm weekend. So, you know, it, naturally that's always going to happen. Um, is he the worst of a bad bunch? Maybe, but you would like to think that we can be good enough to make the officiating not matter. Um, well, I don't know. It's, it's the honest thing, you know. It, it is what it is. We just have to get on with it. There's no, not really any point moaning about it because we're just going to have to deal with the situation as it comes. Yep. Um, but it's, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I get your point. What's the alternative? Column, beaten. Uh, I can't even think anyone else. Maybe Nick Walsh. Um, it's not a great, it's not a great bunch to choose from, really, is it? So, uh, yeah, that is what it is. But we will discuss that in more depth um, later on this week. We will return later on this week, obviously, previewing a very, very crucial Old Firm match. Probably Thursday. That will, that will be Thursday or Friday, anyway. Um, hopefully Thursday. Uh, so we'll, re- we'll record Thursday and then it'll be up for everyone listening on Friday. There we go. There we go. That's why the producer's on the show and he keeps me right. Um, yeah, so all, all it really remains for me to do is, uh, first of all, thank you, Andrew, Um uh, great insight as always keep me on my toes keep me right and uh, make sure that I don't get into any trouble um, and uh, get a lawsuit against me probably will still try my hardest to get that done though. I do what I can mate I do what I can look it, it's always a pleasure to do this you know we, we do this for the fun we don't do it for the money um, so it, it is <laughs> I mean if someone wants to give us money fine and dandy not going to question it but you know, ultimately, we're just doing this because it's good to talk to, you know, not only you, Chris, but, but all the lads we have in the pods about Rangers. It's uh, it's a good use of our time. So um, and, and, you know, that's reflected by by the people listening to this as well. So um, we're always thankful to our audience, for everything they do to support us and uh, even just for listening to us. That's that's good support right there. So, um, yeah, pleasure as always, man. Well, actually, you, you make a good point there, Andrew. Uh, last week we recorded a Kenny, Andrew, Dave and I recorded uh, a podcast about Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson critiquing their time um, at Rangers. Um, any new listeners to this, you can find that in the archives. I will give you all the social media channels in a recent, but uh, I have to say that that, that particular podcast is, uh, Andrew, I don't know if you agree, but I think, I think that is probably the most positive feedback. Not, not that we get a lot of negative feedback, obviously, but in terms of individuals in terms of actual numbers raw data the, the amount of feedback we got from that and it was all positive um i have to say i really really appreciate that and, and you know one or two comments one or two positive comments actually in terms of what andrew's saying there uh obviously we do it we do it in our own time and stuff that actually makes it worth it uh, probably more than any financial uh, gain that we may or may not receive in the future hearing the uh, people like to listen to us which still blows my mind it's very very much appreciated and that feedback last week was was quite overwhelming and i really 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 appreciate that Andrew, i don't know if uh, you want to mention and you know <laughs> if you feel quite <laughs> warm inside about that or but it no, was, absolutely man it was, uh it was a good week it was a good week yeah no 
any time we get any kind of feedback, even if it's negative, you know, it gives us stuff to work on. But the fact that it was so positively received was obviously fantastic. Um, one of the most popular pods that we've had as well. So obviously we just need to dull down on board criticism. Um, and the good thing is, because I had to look up the stats for that as well, I can see that the least popular pod of all time is still our episode of Whose Team Is It Anyway? starring uh, my co-host right here. So thanks, guys. Keep that up. Make sure you download all of our pods apart from that one. It's always really appreciated. Something, there's, there's something very, very dodgy about that. I really, that I, there really is. <laughs> there must be a, a wee quirk in the system there because I've seen the data for that and uh, I won't go into particulars here, but the most popular downloaded episode for that particular series is very questionable indeed so um yeah there's there's something dodgy about that i will find out eventually andrew what you and eddie have done um but i uh the fact remains it is the lowest downloaded podcast that we have and i just have to take that uh, i just have to take that i'll move on um i did mention social media we are on we are on basically on facebook twitter instagram TikTok, YouTube, uh, we are on Amazon Music, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, um, Saturday Free, just type all that in um, and you will find us. If you predominantly use Twitter or Facebook, we've got the link tree there and if you click on the link tree, it gives all the links to every single social media platform that we have. Like, subscribe or follow us on anything that we currently are on. Um, that goes a long way as well. And obviously, uh, if you subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Music or Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, you will get the newest podcast as they're released straight into your phone. Um, boom, into your ears. And then you can tell us how shite we are or how amazing we are. Um, there is an email and I'm going to let Andrew sign off with that email. Go for it, Andrew. Uh, that remains as ever contact at saturday at three.co.uk um all uh, all letters and no numbers fantastic and we will be back later this week to preview the rangers and celtic game um this saturday 8th of april join us in thanks very much <laughs>